Hey guys, welcome back to the PickSwap Podcast. I am James Brand. I'm here with Sean Bernard. What's up, Sean? Not too much. Doing good. I can really use a watch, though. Uh, I'm I'm happy you said that, man. Um, we have some exciting news here at Philly Sports Network and the PickSwap Podcast. Uh, we've just you know signed our first brand deal with La Terrain, which is an independent watch manufacturer who create high quality watches for affordable prices. And if you use our code PSP10, you'll get 10% off any purchase and free shipping as well. That's PSP10 at checkout for 10% off. Um, that's super exciting news. And um, so I'm proud of Liam and, you know, the whole crew at uh, Philly Sports Network for making this happen. And if you need watches, you know, birthdays are coming up. The holidays are coming up soon. So, you know, as a gift, go use your 10% off code and get yourself a watch or get a friend to watch or a family member, whatever it is. Um, with that being said, we're going to dive right into what we got to talk about today. We recently did an emergency podcast about, you know, the Doc Rivers signing. And yesterday afternoon, Doc did a presser. Um, with NBC Sports and all that good stuff. And then he did a few other interviews throughout the day. So we're going to talk about what he said, how we feel about it, and what, you know, he wasn't very explicit about what he was saying. He was kind of vague in a lot of spots, but we're going to try to, you know, pick his brain and see what he was thinking. So what's that got to you the, uh, the most, John? Yeah, for the most part, I thought it was pretty noncommittal on a lot of stuff, which is how he has to be for this. I'm sure he doesn't – they don't have a full plan established yet, and there's still yeah. a lot up in the air. But again, it was good to see him kind of be the face of the organization and take that in and get the ball rolling. And I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, man. I was um, – I mean, we, we've been over this a bunch of times. I was not a huge Doc Rivers fan. But the more and more I see of him and hear what he has to say, I've just gotten exponentially more excited for this move. And I think it was kind of right place, right time for the Sixers. And he kind of fell in our lap, and we got really lucky. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited. But – the thing that stuck out to me the most was how much he talked about liking Ben and Joel together because mm-hmm. we saw and talked about some trade rumors with Ben, which we never really thought were true, but he mentioned their winning percentage together right. like three separate times. Um, mm-hmm. So I was really happy he did that. So how do you, how are you feeling about those two under doc, what he said and and everything in between? Yeah, I think it, the tone was set pretty clear that these two are the faces of the franchise. These are who we're building around, which is what needs to happen. Rivers has a good track record with big men, whether it be DeAndre Jordan, down to even like Montrez Harrell last year and building off that. So Embiid's the most talented big he's ever worked with. I think he's going to do a lot with it, and this is gives a big way for saving Embiid's career and moving on with the Sixers in a direction that I like to see. So I'm very happy. I'm encouraged with that. And Ben, I think he's kind of intrigued by what he can do with Ben too. So I think that's kind of like, I think he's going to challenge Ben in a way that he hasn't before and open him up, which is what he needs. Yeah, I'm, I, I got the same exact vibe. Um, he talked about accountability a lot mm-hmm. and I want to get into what I think um, Doc is going to do with Ben because we saw a very similar progression in terms of jump shooting and, and offensive, you know, game just being involved um, with Blake Griffin under Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about what Doc mentioned with accountability and there was a specific question I remember being asked where they said, is I'm not going to get the exact thing right, but just to paraphrase, it was like, stars. is there, is it, sorry, it was, it was more along the lines of them saying like, um, what, where's the line drawn between like having fun, getting along or like batting, like butting heads in the locker room. And they said, where do you like, how much of that is acceptable in the locker room? And, and doc rivers very outright said, as much whatever it takes as much as it takes 
So I think he's willing to make Ben and Joel uncomfortable to get the best out of them. And, and for every Philadelphia fan out there, that's very encouraging. And I would love to see him, you know, he said it starts with him. It starts with accountability from him, from doc himself. And then obviously from his stars in Ben and Joel. Yeah. Along the same lines, uh, a quote I actually saw from it when he was kind of talking about like the, the differentiate the differentiation between stars and kind of the rest of the team. And what he said was, and his quote is, you have to hold them accountable, meaning stars, because the more accountable they will be with you and towards you, the more, more accountable you can hold the rest of the team. And I think that's one of the keys when you're coaching stars, which that is exactly what I wanted to hear. I, I kind of want, I specifically want got Doc to challenge Ben and Joel and kind of in ways that they haven't before. Like as much as we love Brett Brown, and I, I totally do, like he's not known for being in a guy's face or doing something like that, which I think Doc will bring that to the table. And yeah. like as much as my concern with that is as much as that sounds great is that's exactly the opposite of what happened with the Clippers last year when we look at Kawhi and Paul George. So I have kind of some concerns with that with, and again, it was like extreme circumstances with everything went on, but like I have a fundamental issue with how the whole Clippers season went last year. When I kind of dove into this, I know I'm circling around a little bit here, but like as much as I'm happy for the Doc Rivers signing him and that he's here in Philly, he did deserve to get fired in LA and he did, kind of like the job he did Kawhi and Paul, Paul George played 18 games together and 461 minutes throughout the whole season before playoffs in a way that like you can't build a team like that and I know like a yeah. lot of that comes down to the load management and the thoughts like that but the the real reason that he's out of town there is for not holding those guys accountable which is what we can't see here yeah and that that does make a lot of sense um but what I have seen though I mean, Doc has also has a track record of kind of getting the best out of a lot of guys. And mm-hmm. we, we look back on some guys that have overperformed in his system or, I mean, very specifically, you look at T- Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Tobias isn't Kawhi Leonard and he's not even Ben or Joel. He, he's a, a step below those guys. Um, but what I do like to see from Doc is that I, I – well, I'll go back here. I think a lot of those issues were – like – We've seen Kawhi be pretty stubborn in, you know, San Antonio with that season he sat out before he got traded and all of that stuff. We've seen Kawhi be very just about Kawhi. And and I don't have a problem with that. Kawhi, he's, he's been a great player in this league for a long time. He's one of the best players in the league. He deserves to get that kind of treatment. What I like from Doc is he's done better with teams that don't have those super superstars. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously, the you know the the late two thousand Celtics, they had some stars. Kevin Garnett and Paul Paul Pierce were stars at that point, mm-hmm. but they didn't have LeBron. They didn't have Kobe Bryant. You know, they didn't have those guys that were the best players in the league right then, right there. And he, I, I like that he came in here kind of saying we have a lot to build on, but there's a lot to do right. with that Clippers team. It was like this is our peak, mm-hmm. as like this is our peak in terms of players that we've had, and his under you know, I'm sorry, overachieving team last season with, you know, whoever was starting for them at that point, taking the the Golden State Warriors to six games with a fully healthy Golden State Warriors team. Um, So there there are, there's hits and misses with Doc. um, And that doesn't like totally push me away from him, but I totally get what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're an elite, elite coach, you're not on the market right here. Like the top tier is never going to be available. So we have to keep that in mind. Uh, he talked also about load management and kind of an emphasis on that. And like, first off with Embiid, I 100% am board 
on board. We need to do whatever we can to preserve him and make sure he's obviously got issues and has been the whole way with keeping him healthy as a number one priority. Beyond that, like load management, that falls right into the the accountability and uh, treatment, in my opinion. I think it's like a if you're resting guys just because they're good enough to rest, then like that's not a, that's a double standard that I can't see being set. And I get like the NBA has changed so much, and that's such a player run league, and players can kind of do what they want, and we see it so often. But at the same time, like the the reason this Clippers team ultimately blew up, lost, blew a three-one lead to the Nuggets, and just blew up in their faces, like. There was no team chemistry. There was no camaraderie. There was no, like, and Paul George was not good enough to be treated the way he was. The man hit the, the side of the backboard in the game. But so, I don't know. I'm still, I, I, ultimately, I'm encouraged by the, the by the press conference, but there's still things that kind of concern me in there. Yeah, and another thing about that, um, this team of the Sixers compared to this um, Clippers team that Doc just coached was, Ben and Joel have been playing together now for three seasons. Mm-hmm. And a lot, not a lot of these guys have been together for a while, but we're going to see Matisse back. We're going to see Shake back and, and Furkan and potentially Josh Richardson. And we'll see Tobias back. Like there wasn't a lot, like that team went from, you know, a seven or eight seed in the playoffs to arguably the best team in the league overnight, like literally over one night. Yeah. And then with like, partner that with the fact that they weren't playing a lot of games together and then this whole stretch of not being together and having to come back and having not had any sort of chemistry or you know on the court or off the court like there's I feel like there's a lot that went into that team and the way that it ended up and I mean as much as you want to you know blame it on this or that Kawhi and Paul George combined for like 22 points in that game seven like that can't happen if you have two stars two guys that are arguably top 10 players in the league you can't have that so I do I definitely see um your point there I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it was just you know just time to go for Doc he had been there for a while like longer than I think people realize um in LA but um I'm I'm still I was I was very encouraged by it and there's a couple other things we'll obviously touch on um one thing that I really 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 liked I was like sitting on my couch, grinning ear to ear when he said, when Doc started talking about Matisse Thibel, because mm-hmm. you and everyone else know how much I love Matisse and how much this city loves Matisse. And when he said that he's very high on Matisse and he wants him, he's an all defensive player already, all NBA defensive player already. That was, you know, an amazing thing. And I was like, right there, I was like, okay, he has a vision for Matisse. Yeah. So how do you, how did you feel about that? Yeah, he called Matisse an all-defensive player right now, which is – I love that statement. I love, like, the confidence. He definitely had – seemed to have kind of, like, a good feeling about Matisse and an excitement about coaching him. He also talked about Shake very highly, which I'm super encouraged because when you think about Doc's track record with, like, guys like like uh, uh, Lou Williams and uh, Jamal Crawford that he's coached with over, over his co- coaching career and brought the most out in kind of, like, that six-man role. And uh, the when he talked about Shake, his quote was, if he if he can play like he played against us in LA, I don't have to say another word. And that was uh, the middle of like the shake mania when he had thirty nine points, seventy nine from three. But uh, I think he can bring out a lot in shake. And I think like both those role players are guys that he's excited for, which is very good news. Yeah, I was again like you said about shake. I was I was really happy about the way he talked about them. And obviously, there's there's no way for us to know what they're plans are and I don't know that they really know what their plans are and we'll get to that but 
I'm hoping that we can get through this offseason with like keeping those two players intact. There, there's there's a lot to be said about getting superstars, and there's a lot to be said about you know building a super team or whatever. But if looking at the league right now, I don't know that you can really serve to give up either of those two players. Two young impact players on very, very cheap contracts. You can't just give up those guys. They don't come, they're not a dime a dozen. You can't draft a guy in the mid 20s every season and expect him to produce like Matisse did. Obviously, Matisse has some work to do, especially offensively and, you know, in his foul trouble and his, you know, over pursuits and things of that, that nature. And Shake has some things to take care of as well, but, but they're young and they're, they're guys that have come in right away essentially right away and made impacts and have huge games. Like you look at Matisse's game against the Kings in, in January and, you know, obviously the shake game and, and even the shake game in the bubble, when he hit the game winner against the Spurs, like all those things come into play. And when you have guys like that on, you know, shakes on the cheapest contract I've ever seen for a guy that's going to be playing actual minutes. Like those are the guys you have to hold on to. We're looking at Robert Covington right now and how much, how well he played for the Rockets and like he's on a great contract and we let him go obviously for Butler and whatever it is. But those are guys that I really would like to see them hang on to. So I'm, I'm glad doc was, um, you know, seems happy to coach both of them. Yeah. Agreed. He also talked a lot about like positionless basketball and how he doesn't kind of have like a set standard with that, which again, that's right in tune with the way the NBA is going and like the, the way the league is right now, which is awesome. He talked about like, uh, I, he talked to, he said, I think you have to be who you are. I think the mistake is a lot of teams have made is everyone wanted to be golden state. So I kind of like that. He has the mindset of like using what we have, making the most of it, which we've seen over his coaching career as well. And even with the Clippers, like that wasn't a, an exact like match with kind of what the league was doing when he started to build that. So it's like, I like that again, I, it gave me a lot of confidence that Embiid and Simmons really are the faces of this franchise and that's meant to stay. Yeah, I, I loved that. I loved it. And the positionless basketball has been something that we've talked about a lot. And when you have a guy like Ben who can do so many things on the floor defensively, offensively, that's a, I mean, Joel Embiid is going to play center. Yeah. But really, like in the ideal situation, you'll have Embiid at center and you'll have four guys at the rest of the four players on the court that can bring the ball up, that can shoot, that can, you know, run off screens and set screens and, and, you know, run an offense or be the other post player. This, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many other things that can happen. And I want to talk about Ben here because this is what I um, touched on earlier about his development and shooting. And what we saw, I mean, Doc said he wasn't concerned about Ben's shooting. And I think that's a bit of an understatement. I think he definitely, you know, has something in mind for Ben and, and everyone and their mother has an opinion on Ben Simmons. So, what I think we'll see him do and what we saw him do with Blake Griffin throughout his early seasons in LA was give Blake or I'm sorry, Ben in this situation, the ball in the high post, like just off the elbow towards that short wing. And what happened there was they turned Blake Griffin into a playmaker, a guy that's going to set up his teammates mm-hmm. and then obviously take those, you know, a couple back down dribbles and get into the post in a place that he can score. But what started to happen was when he got better as, when he got better as a passer that his defender has to sag off. Mm -hmm. And right then doc was like, okay, if they're going to sag off, you have to shoot that shot or else you're not going to have the passing lanes. So he started getting those 12, 15, 18, then 22. And we see Blake Griffin as an actual efficient three point shooter. Now Mm -hmm. coming into the league, Blake Griffin was nowhere near a three point shooter. 
So what I think and what I hope we're going to see with Ben is if he's playing positionless basketball, that means someone else can handle the ball. We've seen Tobias handle the ball. We've seen Shake, Josh Richardson can do it at a, you know, somewhat of a decent level. We have to see Ben on that in that position. And when he gets open, when those guys sag off him, because they're already going to be sagging off him, yeah. he's got to hit those early jump shots and then start backing it up and moving it out. And then the floor is space and he has everything that he could want as a passer. And that expands his game as much as everyone else's. Yeah, hundred percent. That that's should like the plan, hundred percent, and that sounds perfect. Uh, as far as the the shooting comment, Doc's at a lose lose there. Versus if he says like it's an issue, yeah. it's a big deal. If he doesn't say an issue, then it's a big deal. So there's no real right answer to that one. Uh, as far as the Griffin and Simmons comparisons, I I agree totally with the put him at the top of the post, trying to make that work and building his jumper with that way. The way I see it differently is uh Simmons has a skill set that Griffin much different from Griffin as far as like the passing and that I still would like to see Simmons in the open court a lot and handling the ball a lot and being kind of serving as the primary point guard. I still have not given up on Ben as a point guard whatsoever. And I think like taking it out of his hands is we don't have a better passer on our roster than Ben Simmons and the things he can do Nobody with the ball in the open court. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys who can do what he can do in the open court. So like, I still think that needs to be used as much as it, it needs to. And, that brings out the most in our team just running that and again i've talked from this i think a finding a, a true backup point guard is huge because i also would love shake taking over it's just more of a scoring role like i think forcing him yep. into being that passer is just forcing him into that role versus he can be much more naturally just doing what he does best yeah and uh, before i get into the shake stuff i do want to talk about ben I think obviously Ben at the point guard is Ben's best position at like mm-hmm. ball in his hands. He is a threat. And so I want to see Ben at point guard. You know what I mean? He, that's his best position. That's his natural position. He's been brought up with the ball in his hands and whether it's a necessity or just a luxury, either way, I want to, I want to see the ball in his hands, but in this half court set where they need to revolutionize the way they play, mm-hmm. that's where I would like to see him getting those touches here and there. I want to see him as a screener. I want to see him running pick and rolls with Tobias Harris. I want to see that all these things that I think doc is going to bring to the table. It's not going to be okay. We got a rebound, walk it up, pass it to Josh, Ben, go stand on the elbow. Like, cause when Brett Brown said he was going to move Ben to the four, that's basically what he did. It was, okay, Ben, get the rebound, hand it off the shake, run to the elbow, and then get the ball to Ben and run an offense from the elbow. When yeah. we already have no spacing, you're just going to put your point guard at the 15-foot mark rather than the 25. Like, that didn't really make sense. You know what I mean? you got to get him in the right positions. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I want to see Ben with the ball in his hands, pushing the ball, you know, getting downhill. That's what I want to see Ben do is just get downhill. He's so dangerous around the rim, and he's – you know, one of the best passes in the league. So we're going to see guys get way more open jump shots and whether hell it might be Furkan Korkmaz, but he's going to get open shots and he can knock them down. Um, in terms of shake, I would, I'm totally with you on that as well. I think shake is a really strong, like backup too, like a very, very strong backup too. We love shake. I think a lot of people love shake and I would love to see him in that same role. I just, I'm interested to try to do with the backup point guard position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I also have super high hopes for Tobias in the system. And like, obviously Tobias had the best years of his career under doc with the Clippers. And that's when he kind of looked like the, the budding star that we kind of expected to get. And again, like when a guy gets more money, that doesn't make him a better player. So like, that's kind of like Tobias is not that right. much 
he's not a worse player than what we signed him for. He just hasn't fit like the right way. And we kind of forced him into a role that he really isn't. But if Doc, like, I know you said at the beginning how Tobias isn't like the level of Simmons and Embiid, and he doesn't need to be. That's not what we're asking from him. Nope. But like if Tobias can be used in a way more efficient role, he played way more percentage of his minutes at power forward under Doc, which we've talked about again and how that's more natural for him. And just like, if he can space the floor, come back and see the Tobias that, that we saw in LA, that would be massive for this team. And Rivers also, they both spoke very highly, Tobias and Rivers, about each other. And I think that's a reunion they're both looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure Tobias is like above the clouds with this, this hire for them. Um, mm -hmm. One one action I love to see, and I think I might have talked about it in the emergency pod, but we in LA, when Tobias was there, we saw a ton of double screens mm -hmm. where the first screener kicks out for a jumper and the second screener dives in. So in a, in a perfect world, you'd love to see your three best players running that action, right? So you have Tobias, Joel, with Ben, with the ball in his hands, coming off that double screen. You're going to cause a lot of problems. All three of those guys deserve the attention that they're going to get on that screen. And if you're picking your poison, you might be picking Joel, then Ben, and then you might see Tobias open on that top of the key. I would love to see him get back to that 40% shooting stroke that he had in LA. Mm -hmm. That would be massive for us. And, and just letting him play free, free basketball and just in an open offense, you know, a high paced offense and let Tobias Harris be Tobias Harris, kind mm -hmm. of like what you said, and just let him play his brand of basketball. He's not going to shoot eight threes per game. We asked him to do too much this year. That's why he didn't shoot a good percentage. He was getting awkward looks. He was getting forced looks. In the Doc Rivers system, like what we saw before when he played for him, he was getting wide open top of the key, corner three, and just, you know, a downhill driver. I, I really like Tobias Harris, and I'm, I'm really happy for him because I think he's going to have a, a very good year under Doc. Yeah, I agree. Also, under Doc, like he was used much more in the pick and roll and both in posting up situations, which – I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I just wrote a blog on that. So you can check that out. But uh, like bringing that back. And again, Tobias can pass like fairly well for, I think he's passing is an underrated part of his game. So putting him in the low post and passing out of that should definitely be an option for this team. And like, if we can get him back to like that, I think that would make a difference in his game. Totally. And he's an improved defender. Like mm -hmm. that was an underrated part of his game last year. He really stepped up defensively last year for us. And if we could see that same Tobias Harris um, offensively that we saw with rivers and defensively that we saw last year, we're looking at a guy that's, that's a fringe all-star and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. I, I just want to see Tobias have a good year, but you know, if he's scoring that 21, 22 range and, and, and something that doc talked about a lot was team scoring. He doesn't care who on the team is scoring as long as the team is scoring. And I mean, obviously that's something probably every coach says, but we've seen that with Doc Rivers teams for the last, you know, 10 years. So mm -hmm. obviously Tobias is, you know, excited about the move. We're excited about the move. Um, let's Overall, talk about someone that might not be as excited to be here in Philadelphia. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Overall, what would you put your excitement for the Doc Rivers as head coach right now? Out of 10? Yeah. I would say right now, this very moment, like mm -hmm. eight, maybe 8.5. I'm, okay. I'm very excited. I have my, you know, skepticisms about the whole thing in general and just about this team and the roster that has to, the things about the roster that have to change before like we're actual contenders. But like, I'm very excited for this move.
What about you? I'm sitting at seven one. I'm going. I I'm <laughs> okay. still very excited. Doc, it's t- Doc's a good coach. He's very good. But there's the more I dove into the Clippers last season, I kind of do have some concerns just on like, I don't know. He's he, we'll see. There's a lot like it's all stuff that isn't 100 percent his fault. Like when we talk about like the chemistry issues, and I just have like a fundamental issue with the way that like was built that team was built on like peaking at the right time and load management, which which again goes along with today's NBA. But I don't know. There's concerns with me also about him being past his desire to win and past his like all in mode for he's I, I think either way this is probably his last head coaching job and he's probably gonna retire after this unless something crazy happens but uh yeah I don't know still you can't complain about getting Doc Rivers but we'll see yeah I feel like um I feel like I'm always like way too excited and you're <laughs> kind of just here to keep me grounded yeah um it doesn't matter what it is whether it be Ben or Matisse or Doc Rivers you're always like all right, let's let's bring it back down. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad you're level-headed because I'm not. So, <laughs> um, one thing that I thought was like it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked so there was a question about scoring, and, and when he was talking about team scoring, and he was like, mm-hmm. "This team has a lot of guys that can score." And he was like, "Ben, Joel, Tobias, Shake, Josh, uh, Matisse, Furkan," but didn't say Al Horford. Yeah, and he had talked about Horford a little bit here and there, but there was no real commitment to Al in anything that he was talking about. Is that a sign, or do you think that's just there shouldn't be any commitment to Al Horford right now? But I do. I if there's any way to get him off roster, I'm on board with it. Like, there's not a lot of guys I say this about, but the Sixers are a worse team when he's on the floor, especially next to Embiid, and the like the dressed up stats on that he's not that bad when Embiid's off the court I just don't I test see it like he he looks old he looks he's not the yeah. Alford we wanted to get and I don't know that if there's a way to get him out of here I'm on board with it and I think we're going to talk a lot about the guy we want after this but what do you think yeah I mean ex- exactly what you said man I I don't know how anyone can watch Al Horford play basketball and say oh you know, he deserves to be here and yeah. and we I'm so happy we're paying him so much money and, and, and all that shit. But what I really like it it was just obviously with the with the first day thing, with the fir- you know, first day you're in on the hire, you're not gonna make any real verbal commitments and you're not gonna, you know, step on any toes. And we heard Elton Brand's phone ring during that interview like three or four times on his mic. You could hear it happen. So I'm just I'm wondering who knew. Um, because Buddy is definitely not calling Luke Walton, and that's what we can talk about now. Yeah. Um, so there was a report today that that Buddy Heald will not respond to Luke Walton's text or calls or whatever it was. Do you have the full story on that? Yeah, but I mean that's basically the story is he's just not communicating with Luke Walton at all, and that basically he he it's no secret that he's wanted out of the Kings. He got that big contract last year. He looked okay, I thought, when he played, and he just got his minutes kind of cut and cut. And when you look at his numbers, they don't look bad. Like, he still shot the ball at a great rate. He's still – but he's not – again, he's a guy who the fit is not 100% there in Sacramento. They're kind of pushing the pace more, kind of switching to that. The catch-and-shoot opportunities aren't really there for him, which is what he needs. And that's what the Sixers need too. He's purely kind of a catch-and-shoot scorer. He shoots at a great rate. And, like, I'm a huge Buddy Heald guy. I think he's getting a bad rap for all this. But I think it's unlikely he ends. He starts next season in Sacramento. 
you think it's more likely that he starts next season in Philadelphia? Uh, I, I think there's – first off, they for sure should be on the phones trying to work something right now. I think the the more he kind of messes around and is not doing what the Kings want him to do, the lower his value gets and the more he wants out of there, which 100% works out with us. The recent deal that I keep seeing is Buddy and Corey Joseph for Al, Josh Richardson, and a pick. And that I've seen a lot that says a second-round pick, which I think is kind of crazy if the Kings do that. I, I would even be okay with giving up more than that. And we've talked about this. Like, I would even consider Matisse in that deal if that's what it takes to get it done. And I know that's your guy. And, like, I agree. He brings a lot to the team, and I would love it if he's here. But I think Buddy would provide – make such an immediate impact to this team. And just – he brings an element to the game that we don't have. And even, like, Shake, like, Shake is not a catch-and-shoot scorer in the way that Buddy is. Buddy doesn't need – he – is exactly what Ben Simmons needs to play next to. And like surrounding him with that is such a game changer right away that just him being on the court will open things up that it just, it makes too much sense for me. It makes too much sense not to happen in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally aside from maybe the Matisse thing, <laughs> but regardless um, that, that deal, if, if you could, if you could get out of that deal with a Corey Joseph or, or Rishon Holmes, whoever it is, like I would change that pick to a first if you added Rishon Holmes as well. Like, give me Buddy Heald, Corey Joseph, Rishon Holmes for Horford, Josh, and a first like any day of the week. I really like Josh, and I hate how much slander he kind of gets on these trade, you know, mm-hmm. rumors and and all the things that the Sixers fans are doing. I love Josh. I think he's a great dude. I think he's a really good basketball player that struggled last year because of the fit and you know the lack of shooting around him. Um, and I, th- I think he could be a decent shooter. And he showed some stretches in the bubble where he could shoot. But if it meant Buddy healed, I'm 100% letting go of Josh like yesterday, if that happens, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but if that if that deal's on the table, sign me up yeah. right now. Yeah, I think it's super unlikely they give up Holmes. And I, I love Rashawn Holmes too, that he obviously started here. He, I think in another timeline, like there's a chance he's still a sixer and producing here. But he's a guy that they just gave a decent contract to that yeah. they seem pretty invested in. Uh, Corey Joseph, I'm cool with coming here. He fits the bill as like the backup point guard that I wanted. Uh, Josh Richardson, I think is he's our most tradable piece right now, just as far as the way the contracts work, and that his stock's pretty high just based off the bubble. And I honestly yeah. don't think Richardson is that great of a basketball player. I think he has a lot of the great tools, but he's not a guy that's ever going to put it fully together. And you saw with the Heat, he looked a lot better with the Heat than he did with us fully. But he's just yeah. like. I think he's a guy, if he goes to the Kings, he'll, he'll be a Kings type of player for the rest of his career. He'll score yeah. a little bit, do his thing, but he's never going to be, he's not, he's by no means a guy that should be off limits. And he's more than welcome if we can get oh, yeah. healed for that. Oh, absolutely. And, and I was saying, I'd like Josh. I like it. The problem with me is I get emotionally connected to these guys. Mm-hmm. It's like, I follow them on their social medias <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I, I like Josh Richardson, you know, but yeah. You know, if he were to go for whoever it may be, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, mm-hmm. so I have a couple takeaways here, um, which we kind of, we touched on already, but a couple before we end this pod, um, I'll just, I'll just write through them. Um, so Doc and Joel together mm-hmm. and that's a huge deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we heard some rumors. We, we saw some things we hear it every single day that these guys don't like each other. Doc mentioned that they win 65% of the games they play together three times. And he seems really high on the two of them. He also loves Matisse and Shake, and I love that that idea of them working with Doc all the 
time and the progression of them as players. Won't commit. He will not commit to Al Horford, whether that be something that they have in place, just his ideology of this team. I have a feeling that's more a combination of Elton Brand and Doc Rivers being, you know, together and talking about these things more than it is Doc just kind of being um, brash and rude. Um, and it seems like it seems like he has some plans with this team. I don't yeah. know what they are. He didn't say them, but he mentioned right away, I wasn't going to coach anyone. I wanted a team I thought could win. I wanted a team that I liked. I wanted a team that I thought I could succeed with. That's the biggest thing to me right now. Doc said, I'm not even going to take interviews with other teams. Mm. They brought me here the day I got fired. Or the day after I got fired, I want to be here. I want to coach here. I think he has some long-term plans, you know, whether it be just for the five years he's here, the three years that he's, he's here, whatever it is, he, he showed that he wanted to be here. He likes the pieces here. And that's the biggest deal for me. Yeah. I had a lot of the similar takeaways as far as like the, the Horford and the reading into comments like that, pretty much all, there was a lot of elusive answers and very well worded. Doc's been around the game a while. He knows how to say it. There was no clear, like, yeah, he knows whatever, but like, Again, he said all the right things. He sounded like, I don't know, the Simmons and Embiid is by far the biggest takeaway for me. Just the fact that he seems genuinely excited to build around those guys, which he should. Like, these are very good players to build around. You can't ask for too much better of a situation when you're looking at a free agent coach. Like, the, the fact of the matter is the Sixers still have pieces to win. Just the front office has done just about the worst possible job of surrounding these guys with pieces that build on top of that. So we're not that far off. It's just like, again, a lot needs to happen this offseason, but this is a great start. Yeah, 100%. Um, unfortunately, Alvin Gentry joined the Kings today, which is a heartbreaker for me. I really wanted to see him as the associate head coach. Mm -hmm. um, but regardless, like you said, this is we're not as far away as people think. We're also not as close as other people think. Mm -hmm. I think we're in the upper middle class of the NBA right now. Um, and we got to take a step this year to get into that 1%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think we Buddy can wrap Heald. it up here. Mm -hmm. Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald takes us there, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we can wrap it up. Um, again, for our sponsor quick, Law Terrain, code PSP for 10% off at checkout. PSP um, 10. Follow us on our socials. PSP 10. Do what you got to do. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll talk to you guys soon.